Coming up with the NBA draft less than a week away, we tap into some fresh rumors around the Brooklyn Nets and their desire to trade up the board and also ready to start fielding offers on veterans like Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. What will they look to get in the draft and how can they continue to build out their roster? We break it all down coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrick, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms and let you know, Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And, Doug, this is all kind of trending the way that we hoped and speculated on. The Brooklyn Nets trying to get better in the upcoming draft, trying to move off of older veterans that were meant to be a part of championship-level teams. Hopefully, as Eric Slater lets us know, it's trending in that direction. Yeah, look, we could spend a lot of time about how I joined the suburban elite um, today by playing my first game of pickleball, dominated, by the way. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that maybe later. Court, I believe we'll get to that later in the episode. Um, <laughs> go through the exploits there. No, here we got to talk about where the Nets, uh, where this this could be a pretty frenetic week around the NBA um, with the Nets included in the mix. And there's a lot of teams that we're not sure if they're going to be coming or going here. Um, it's going to be really, this is going to be real. This is potentially setting up to just be a tr sort of transcendent offseason. Nets are right in the mix. And you mentioned Eric Slater from Clutch Points, friend of the show. He had a couple really cool reports coming out over the last 24 hours that have the Nets looking to package the, their 21 and 22 pick possibly to move up in the draft. Uh, not something Sean Marks has done a lot in the past, <laughs> which would be an interesting sort of move. And then we'll get to some of the other veterans later. But I don't, I'm curious what you think, right? Like out of the gate, thinking about these guys, thinking about these, we talked about all maybe the possible value of all the guys sitting in this range at 21-22. But there are some teams out there that could say, hey, two later picks for solid NBA rotation players is more of our bag here than maybe shooting some upside on some young guys in the top, you know, let's say 12 or something like that. I mean, yeah. what do you think when you hear that? Because the names, obviously, for the Nets completely change. Obviously, if they move up 10 spots in the draft and we're just looking at a totally different dynamic around the team, if it were to happen. And by the way, go listen to yesterday's episode where I uh, met up with Howard Beck again, and, and he confirmed our suspicions of the chaotic offseason. And all of this points in that direction to your, you know, to your point, though, we talk about then looking at these picks in 21 and 22 and in the 20s range and saying, hey, there, there's real value here. We can like a lot of these guys. But then all of a sudden you think, well, but there are better guys. There are 10 picks higher. There are better talents. And if I look at it from a Brooklyn Nets perspective, and we've talked about this, it's clearly to me around the backcourt. There is not the same level of backcourt player, primary ball handler options that are potentially going to be available at 21 and 22 that are there yeah. in the top, let's say, 15 kind of range, right? We've said before, now some mocks, these guys have fallen a little bit. 
but a Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, maybe talk about a Nick Smith Jr. if he's gonna be end up being into that range as well, right? That's that to me, this is what that's telling you. I, you know, Kobe Bufkin a little bit lower down the list, a little closer to 21 than to 10, let's say. But all of those names are all guys that potentially will be gone two, three, four picks before the Nets get there at 21. And that, to me, is what this indicates. The Nets know they need a backcourt member, and they know that they're not going to be able to do it if they just stand pat. Yeah, I'd throw Carson Wallace into that group, too, yes. right? Like uh point guard from Kentucky around Case guys that um, – Oh, sorry, Kaysen Wallace. Um, the, uh, the, you know, guys from – guys that kind of just fit that build, right? Like point guard style, ball – primary ball handler if you think that's what the Nets specifically are, ta- uh, are targeting then then that makes sense to move up because you're right because the guys that we've mentioned in this in this range are much more like three and d wings that either are good at three or bad at d or reverse <laughs> it right not three and d good three on three, right they're, they're mostly three or d guys that are landing in that range it's not a lot of primary ball handlers it's not a lot of elite scores and that makes sense like look you're 21 22 in the draft this is the sort of range you're getting you're getting guys that ha- are usually good at one skill and you're going to wait and see if one or two of the other skills c- come around right this is why they're if they had three skills they'd be Scoot or Victor Wembanyama or Brandon Miller, right? Like they, they'd be at a different part of the draft. So it makes sense. I, I will say, I, I I would kind of be shocked if the Nets did. I, I I love the idea. I love consolidating stuff. If you think you want to just go for a better player, town the NBA wins. If you're not in a win now mode, it makes sense to take the higher the highest of upside prospects, which you get the earlier in the draft. I and mean, this isn't rocket science around that. It's just not really a Sean Marksy kind of thing to do. <laughs> it's gone the other way a lot. It's like draft pick. We don't need those, <laughs> right? Like, let's go get, let's get Royce O'Neal. Let's get Landry Shamit. Like, these are the things, these are the ways they've gone with draft picks in the past. If it signals a reversal in strategy, I'm definitely all for it. Uh, that, and especially if they have a guy in mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point to bring up. Like, I would hope that this is because you and I we listed four or five guys. I would hope that there's one guy that stands out to Sean Marks and the Nets is saying, this is the player we want to go get. Now, you can make the argument maybe any number of players would satisfy the need. But I feel like when you start really packaging up draft capital and potentially having to throw something else into the mix, right, a future something in order to make sure you get where you want to be on the draft board, then you want to have a sense that there's a real commitment there. On the reversal of philosophy, it's funny because since Sean Marks, this is the first draft, in my opinion, where Sean Marks has a different, a need for a different agenda. Because while we we agree that the Brooklyn Nets are not a championship caliber team, they're also not the young plucky team they were that scrappily made it into the playoffs when Sean Marks was turning over bad contracts and taking on difficult assets from other teams, right? You have Mikhail Bridges. We assume Cameron Johnson is being re-signed. You want to be a top six NBA playoff team in the Eastern Conference. So that means the draft strategy should change. It's not just about, well, we'll see who falls there and we'll develop them behind Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Nope, the time is now. It's not just, we'll see what happens and if our young talent can get us there. If we make the playoffs, great. If not, not. This team wants to continue to be as competitive as possible. So I I think that that's what matters here for Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. And that's why we'll talk about what is, who is the exact player that the Brooklyn Nets should go up and get here? And I'll even throw in the wrinkle that takes us away from the backcourt in just one moment. 
All right, before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs make you look good, and they absolutely feel great. I mentioned pickleball earlier. You best believe that when I was on the court there, just absolutely smoking folks in and around the pickleball court, the Bird Dogs were a big part of the process, a big part of the process. I don't want to say they elevated the game, but they certainly didn't hold me back. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts I've ever worn. Stretchy khaki really makes you fit, has that slim fit that accentuates the, uh, all the best parts of your legs. And believe me, for a guy like me, that's a big, big winner when it comes to making sure all the right parts are so- showcased. Also, when you order from Bird Dogs, they're going to throw in a Yeti tumbler. You can see us drinking that Yeti tumbler uh, on screen right now. This is just the way shorts are supposed to fit. Very versatile, very comfortable. You can wear them out. You can wear them to run around. They got the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. Keeps it cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for that free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for free Yeti style tumbler plus your shorts. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Okay, so. If we believe then, as Eric Slater for Clutch Points over the last 24 hours, providing multiple updates around the Nets' desire, one, to move up the board, which was what we're going to discuss right now and who they want to target, and then potentially looking to take offers on veterans like Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. Now, I did just finish telling you, Doug, that it clearly should be for a backcourt player because that's the, the position that doesn't have the same value later in the draft. I will throw in the one wrinkle. A guy that once upon a time was there in the 20 range is Derek Lively the second? Do you think there's any chance that depending on where it looks like that player is going to be, would he be the clear difference and you know the clear worth making that move type of player? Knowing when you look at most boards now, after him being listed as a as a center on the board, it is all backcourt players, nearly all the way up to 21 where the Nets currently sit. Yeah, Lively's interesting. Um, I think you know how I kind of feel. We talked at length sort of in the past about how I feel about true center types in the league at this point. So that yep. really is as as great as you can be. Like if you're just projected as a true center, I'm probably always going to be a little lower on you than maybe some of my peers. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Um, and maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a fault of mine, right? So a, a guy like that doesn't really totally excite me even though i sort of like understand why he's there in the draft you know the future around claxton here is uncertain because that contract's going to come up and he's going to have to get paid well i am hoping that happens here look the speculation was around the backcourt i think you bringing up lively makes total sense right if you're looking to if you're looking to like decimate you're looking to end the tier like right so when you draft and people that even do like fantasy stuff can kind of hit on this right it's like you kind of always want to be right at a point where you can draft before a tier ends, right? Yep. Like a tier of player, because that's a great value spot, right? Because one, one pick later it's, and it's the next tier, you know, sometimes it doesn't pay to go from like 15 to 12. If the tier ends at 15. Yep. Because, right. So like, <laughs> right. Right. Because there's like, you're just going to get a guy in that tier, unless you just love, love, love somebody. And you think everyone else is kind of off. Right. So at that point, there's only like marginal value going from, let's say 15 to 12, but, mm-hmm. but going from in that, in that same scenario, going from 16 to 15 actually can have massive mar- marginal or massive value because you are just drafting at the end of the tier. I'm saying this to say, I actually, to me, I'm still of the mind around the Nets that they should never be drafting for need. They should only be drafting if someone jumps off the page at them as clearly a guy who stands out well above anything they can get at 22. And if it overlaps with what they already have, who cares? Who cares? Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> like they're not good enough to worry about that right now. Does that make sense? Like, and yeah, so and, and- the lively thing, whatever, if they saw that, we'll have a lengthy conversation about that and it's, it's fine. Right. It's, I'm not going to be anti lively here. No, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not effusively. I know you're not part of it, right? I'm, I'm more on your side of it than not when it comes to that. Position. And you make no, and you make a great point. The reason to move up would be when a a, a player of a certain archetype is gone after this player, right. then the, and that player is going to be gone at 21 and 22. That he represents a perfect example. So, so that 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 example is correct. Go ahead, and then I'll finish off yeah. this thing. But like, yeah, go ahead. So that's and that's the other part of it, too. And by the way, the, the way that you would look and dispel the idea of going after Lively, who clearly is ahead of other players, is what we talk about in that 20s range of there are a lot of power forwards, not pure centers, but plenty of bigger bodies that you can take a look at. Now, you mentioned about a specific player or saying they should be always be going for best available. It, it's one. Who is is there a guy there that you think is targetable as clearly being above the rest? And I to, to make your case, it's that if you draft a guy, at a position where you already have somebody, you feel like, ah, that's the one spot, heavy wings, right? And we're going to talk about this to close out the show. Then we start talking about moving the guys that are ahead of them on the roster, right? The Nets are in a position to say, when we get the best value at the position that we draft, we then reevaluate where our roster currently sits and how we continue to get better. And that's not something that all teams can do, depending on what your expectations are. But I was curious to see if you think there is a guy that makes sense. Let's say we're focusing backward here, anywhere from... Uh, we're going to say 10. That's that's the high end here. I think it's more likely they're picking somewhere around 13, 14, yeah. probably. That makes a lot of sense to you and stands out from the other backcourt players. Well, because that's funny that you you, you you stopped it right at the point. Because, like, I would say, like, yeah, Anthony Black gets you started right. into that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like and, I, and I don't know if you purposely picked right around where he was to, to like, move it right, like, one guy back. Does that make sense? Because, like, Anthony yeah, Black is the guy. The guy you're like, like, he is the guy that I think is the perfect guy that you would go get. Exactly. Right. So, like, if you thought, he could slip to like, I don't even think it's going to happen, but if he could slip to, to nine, right? And, but sometimes you don't know this to the moment, right? So like, this is where this packaging, you kind of have to be ready to pounce or not do it at all if the guy doesn't move, because this is a mm-hmm. really fluid draft. Like we all know that picks, I mean, base, I mean, I'm a Tom, even Thompson is like pretty much the odds on favor to go four and, and Cam Whitmore's five. So I think like, the, you know, betting markets are starting to round into shape around some of these guys. But after that, it's pretty fluid. And I just don't know if you would know until draft night. So I would say Anthony Black, but I with the with the caveat to say or the asterisk that says, if I'm just being intellectually honest, I don't think we're getting the, I don't think they're getting that high, right? But is that what you I mean, agree with, though, right? He'd be the guy like that because that'd be a huge get. Yes, to me, Anthony Black. When we when I first started looking at the draft boards and and the trade up scenarios, I talked with Nick Angstad from Locked On Mavs, trying to get to ten, thinking, oh, maybe Black will be there. To your point, one first of all, yes, he is the guy. He's the automatic. And by the way, he's always been in the top 10 on every single draft board since this process began. That's how you know that that true value is there as opposed to some other guys that have been rising. So you still feel like there could be some discrepancy around guys that move up boards based on predicting what team needs are going to be and saying, yes, these these players could be higher now because it's more likely that a run happens at these positions. In terms of Anthony Black, I'll just say specifically, when you think about the ability for him to be able to fall, Taylor Hendricks, Grady Dick, one of the big risers we talked about in uh, Kula Belly, like, and then Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Derek Lively. Like, that's that's nine to 13. If you're looking at a music, just ESPN's board right now, it does, it's not hard to think that a couple of those guys, not all, not every one of them would be capable of going eight over Anthony Black, but I could see, like, 
Kula Belly is getting about as much buzz coming into the draft as any player right now. It only takes one or two to push there, and all of a sudden Anthony Black maybe is just like lacking a little bit of shine because he was always established as being a top 10 talent. So like slim chance that happens. If not, who who is the guy that you then let's assume that Anthony Black isn't going to be there. Why is there buzz around the Nets trading up? Who is the player you think they actually are looking at as being viable? Yeah, real quick about Black too. Like if you just look over on FanDuel, because I just got it, I pulled it up really fast. Like he he's he's the favorite to go at number eight, but it's like plus two hundred, so it's it's not like these overwhelming odds, right? And that makes sense. Like the things just get too. Yeah. There's too many cascading events that happen uh, later. I, I actually don't. I, you know, it's funny about this. Like if if it's for need, yeah, Wallace makes sense, and like he's got clearly a guy that's people are getting excited about. I'm always gonna get a little bit worried about point guards a trend smaller I, I just don't think like the nba is going in the direction that that's going to super help these guys going forward right i just don't like it yeah. just and by the way just kind of to some degree well i mean i guess not totally because jamal jamal murray but these guys just you need so much else like they it's so hard for these guys to be engines of offenses now and sure. right because like you know just look at like you know who are the engines of the offenses that we saw get really far in the finals Jokic, jimmy Tatum right these mm-hmm. are like they have those teams have point guards but they're not the number one options right so I get worried uh, about guys like this I, I know people get you know excited about Jordan Hawkins uh just from the scoring ability I, I'm pretty much for that uh, I I don't know if I get like, super excited about it right I, I could see like I don't know I, I don't know if I get super excited about anybody in here except that I I, I I'm not trying to cop out here by the way but no, no. that's why I was really specific about Anthony Black because I would get excited about a thing like this. I, right. I just, I, I, I don't think anyone in that in that range really excites me, except that they're clearly better than the guys at twenty one, twenty two. So on a high level, I get excited about it. Is yeah, that fair? I, 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 I'm trying. I know I'm copping out here a little bit, but it's not. I just no, think no, the caliber of player is better. Of so kind of everybody, kind of everybody, and kind of nobody. But I'd right, still right. be a proponent of doing this because it represents and, and a better, it is the right kind of move. Yeah, and that's why I think so. I'll just I'll close this out by saying, you know, Hood Shafino is a guy that I do like. Nick Smith Jr. is a guy that I do like. Uh, you know, maybe border borderline love with either one of them, be really happy about. But in the world where you're moving up, and this this would be this wouldn't make a ton of sense necessarily. But if you're moving up because you had a player in mind, and maybe a player that you thought was going to be there, best player available at 21, and all of a sudden skyrocketed. I'll just say Blau Kulabelli, not a backcourt guy, but he maybe is the guy that the Nets, you know, had their eye on and now say that talent is worth going and getting. And then what we'll close out here on coming up in a second, how do we go ahead and maybe get ourselves another pick right back into that 20s range where we started it all looking at veteran players and fielding offers for wings like Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. All right, before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Game Time buying tickets to the sporting event, the concert, the theater. This shouldn't be stressful. This should be supposed to be fun. You want to you get your eye on something you want to go to, and you want to get the tickets, and you want to know where you're, where you're going to sit. You want to get a good price, and you want to have fun. This is where game time comes in. Take away the stress of ticket buying with the game time app. They got flash deals and last-minute tickets. It's easy. It's really easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can get an image view of the seats so you know exactly what you're going to see when you sit down in the seats, tons of stuff in the New York area going on uh, through game time right now. A ton of soccer stuff. Arsenal at Manchester United coming up in July. Uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup coming here at the end of the month. The Red Bull Arena. 
some of what's obviously Yankees and Mets all the time here in game time. So all, everything you can really imagine is going on over at game time. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem the code locked on use the Use the code locked on NBA. I got there for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Okay. And also a reminder here before we dive in on our closing segment on Royce O'Neill and Dorian Finney Smith, that there is out right now. You could be going and checking out the NBA mock draft special. It is, it really was fantastic. Actually, I participated in this. You want to see some wheeling and dealing with this was recorded a couple of weeks ago. So the board looked a little bit different, but yours truly navigated his way to shedding contracts and getting three first round picks for the Brooklyn Nets. I was uh, pretty heavily celebrated by Raphael Barlow. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put that feather in my cap and not look back. It's like Doug Norrie pickleball. That this is this is my pickleball right now. So go check that out on all the platforms. It's I got to say YouTube. one thing about this. As yeah. someone who sat on the sidelines for this and watched Adam do it, Adam, you, received, you have to listen to it only because Adam believed he was the GM of the Nets for like a 24 hour stretch. He, the reason it works so well is because he told himself the story that he was the GM, <laughs> that he was the GM of the Nets. And it was really something to behold. And I'm, it's a compliment and it's also amazingly hilarious. So I, I would definitely check it out. It's worth it. It's a compliment. And also I may need to just go ahead and reevaluate what's happening. Well, inside it's my a room. compliment in certain circles and in other circles would evaluate it differently. But like for our circles purposes, it's a compliment. All right. Now, uh, that being the case, I think if we're looking at this from a high level and saying the Brooklyn Nets are going to package 21 and 22, find the right trade partner and get up there to get player act. Anthony Black falls and, and, the, and the Brooklyn Nets get him. Fantastic. We did it. But then the next scenario, and these I think might actually work in, in tandem because I don't know if it's possible to say we want to get to pick 11, pick 12, pick 13, and we're just going to do it solely by offering 21 and 22. Because most of these teams are going to say, we need positional value here. We, we want to have someone we can have a guaranteed contributor on our court. And that's where the other uh, report from Eric Slater from Clutch Points was highlighting that, yes, the Nets are ready to start fielding the offers on Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. This is not a shock. It shouldn't be a surprise. And I think it signals the progression of, of where Sean Marks and the Nets are headed here. Yes, we wanted to be competitive down the stretch after the trade. We didn't want to start shedding guys all over the place. But these players do not fit our timeline. We also know we need to continue to get younger and maximize value on players that is going to start to decline here as they get 30, 31, 32 years old. Yeah. And then you start like thinking about like who the teams would be that would do this. Like, you know, what teams well, well, one like lower level. So one like trading up to get out of this pick because they're looking for depth. Like Dallas might fit that, right? Like does Dallas want to get out of 10 because they want to just kind of put a few more pieces around Luca and maybe Kyrie because they see themselves as more of a championship window and less about development. Like that makes it, that makes sense to have a team that doesn't necessarily value the 10th pick. Go ahead. Cause I have another idea here. No, just, and that's Nick from locked on Mavs. Like he's, he's desperately trying to get Dorian Finney Smith back on the Mavericks and the world right. where the Nets go right back to that. Well, and send Dorian Finney Smith in 21 to get the 10 brilliant. Right? Like, that, right. And that's a team that you could say like, Hey, do they need a bunch of different pieces to fit in around here with these guys? Maybe on the cheap, like that's a good spot. Like that's a good spot for Dallas to maybe tell themselves that story. Um, besides that, like if, if it's a lower level first round pick, I mean, you can talk yourself into any of the group of contenders that are in the lower part of the draft and just kind of spike it back into the mid twenties with 
I mean, kind of anybody, right? Like Memphis, uh, Portland's not going to do it, right? Um, but I guess Orlando's interesting the- at eleven as well, be- knowing that they pick at six and then they come back up there at eleven. If if Orlando's trying to paint the picture where they're ready to take that next step forward, it doesn't matter if we think it's realistic or not. But if they think they're ready to take that next step forward, a Royce O'Neal for them, you know, a veteran, experienced player, you can tell your tell that story as high up as eleven in the draft. And then to your point, as you get closer. You know, OKC, they're a team that's ready. Like, they, they have all the young talent. They're ready to take that step forward. Toronto is interesting to me because you don't know which way they're going. Pelicans have a whole new scenario playing into the chaos of this offseason. And then some of those guys, you know, 15, 16, 17, wh- where do those think? you know, where do those picks live? And where does the Dorian Finney-Smith-Royce O'Neal value lie when you label first-round value? Yeah, right. Because, like, I don't know, Golden State, like, are, you know, are they wanting to – are they are they still trying nice to keep the title with – title window open um and the draft pick just is not worth that much to them right now like this is this this is interesting i i think this stuff is fascinating i like this is uh, there's so many teams like we said at the very top there's so many teams one that we don't even know if they're coming or going here and that's (laughs) going to be something that's you know the beal thing starting to work its way into this situation lillard it's looking increasingly unlikely that lillard's going to get dealt before the draft like i don't think that's going to happen multiple reports this is all to say you know, Carl Anthony Towns could be on the move. I mean, there's so many things happening here with these teams, and we just simply don't know where some of these teams view themselves uh, in light of this. But what I do know is that enough are unhappy that yeah. actually nothing would shock me about coming or going. Like Atlanta, you want to make a push now? Then maybe those wings start making a little more sense, <laughs> right, around Trey. Atlanta wants to sell it off. That wouldn't shock me either. <laughs> right? Right. Like, I don't I, – go ahead. No, and it's funny too because I, I I jumped in there labeling like the packaging and moving up the board, and you're you're speaking to that that range in the kind of twenties area, and and I've already just you know I mentioned having conversations with Nick from the Mavs. I did a crossover with Joe Mullinex from the Grizzlies. That's at pick twenty five, and he he seemed very interested in the idea yeah. of a Royce O'Neal and adding him in there, even a Dorian or a Dorian Finney Smith, and the ones who won trades here. So that's what I think. It, let, let's close out the idea on this: the Brooklyn Nets. Package 21 and 22. They're gone. They go to get to position X and they draft player Y. Whoever that may be, let's let's assume it's probably going to be a backcourt player. Do you think it's likely? I, I'll tell you what it's going to be, Doug. It's most likely to me that maybe they try to take Royce and Dorian Finney-Smith and get another first-round pick this year back in the 20s if they like something. Or the thing we've talked about. They don't have any picks next year. Maybe they'd like to have conversations with teams that afford them to make sure no matter what we enter this season, knowing we already have draft capital back in next year's draft to do what we want with, but it's harder to go try to get that in next off season when you're looking at this roster than it is right now. So I think they have to do the evaluation of what's the talent right now in the draft and where's the best value. And if they're talking about packaging up the board, it might indicate they don't look at the 20s as being a high-value target as maybe we've discussed leading up to it. Totally. I, that makes total sense to me, too. Like, just, you know, get some, just build it for the future. Because if at that point, if you're just getting younger anyway, then why not? Just get some assets going into the future. Kate, spin off some of these older guys. They're not going to be part of a title contender with you. You thought they might be. They're not. So it's fine. It's fine. If they, I, I loved what I saw from Royce. He was a great guy to watch. I would, if they got a first-round pick from him right now, that would be amazing. <laughs> Right. Like I, I was just even a low one. I, I'd be fine with that. Oh, so. yeah. 
And this is going to, and, and you mentioned those teams, by the way, any, any of those ranges, you, maybe you pick and choose, right? No one knows what's going to happen with Memphis and, and John Morant. And like, it's like, maybe you take that next year first round pick just to see how things turn out for them this year, right? A little speculative. That's interesting. Uh, age on some of the yeah, value. So they may try to pick and choose that as well in terms of where the trade partner is, right? Thinking about the future. Um, yeah, Spike, like a crazy outcome with Memphis, the where it just really goes off the rails for a season. Yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah, you sneak your way a lot of, to the lottery than you thought. This you is what this right? is why this will be this will be my final thought, and you can get out of here if you want. But like the this is why it really I think for the Nets, this all speaks to me. Like this is why I don't want them to do the Dame thing, or, the, or and they're not going to do Beal. But like this is why it's like there's so many things that might happen with these teams. You just don't know who's going to be desperate for what. Some of these places, yeah. place, the Nets are not desperate right now. Don't be desperate. Wait for other people to be desperate. And then do something with them. Like, and there's going to be desperation in and around some of these teams. It just can't go any other way. They don't yep. have to, don't have to do anything. Just go, look for value in every margin here. And just don't handcuff yourself into situations where you cannot extract the value from crazy situations. Marx has been good about that. Was good about this forever, forever. Mm-hmm. Was about looking at someone else's dumpster fire be like, Hey, I'll help you out. You know, it's going to take a pick, it's going to take a pick like and, and and stuff. He did this for a long time. He rebuilt the franchise like this. They have an opportunity to do something similar now, and I just hope they take it. We'll go ahead and dive back in next week, obviously, with, with where this draft is headed. It's coming up next Thursday night. We're going to be having coverage all week long. Doug mentioned the last couple episodes live on draft night, breaking down the picks yep. as they come in. For me, man, it's just about keeping an eye on those hamstrings, making sure the pickleball hasn't tightened them up. And I'm going to try to get um, a screw or something because over on YouTube, the chair – the chair might be struggling. The chair might be struggling to keep me front and center over the course of this podcast. So we have some work to do. Just like the Nets organization, I got some things to check in on. Get yourself an A-plus shape like I did with pickleball today. We'll be all good to go with the chair. Okay, we're going to get out of here. Much appreciated, everyone that's jumping in here. Tons of YouTube comments. Look, we're recording this Thursday. I just have a feeling we're going to be there's going to be cool stuff happening here by Monday. Yes. It just feels like stuff's happening here. And I'm not necessarily even with the Nets, just with the NBA in general. So I feel... Like I already, I already have a feeling Monday's episode is going to be a banger, and it's only because I think something's going to happen here in the next seventy-two hours. It's going to be uh, either Nets-centric or Nets tangential. Make sure you are following along on YouTube uh, by subscribing to Locked On Nets. Be part of that group. Leave us a comment. Really appreciate it. I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside. Oh yeah, Paul McCartney. I'm oh, one of the all-time great poets. We're we'll back again Monday talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.